Oh, how are you guys feeling? Good. All right. Well, if uh, we've never met before, my name's Jordan, and uh, it is a great privilege to be here with you this morning. I'm one of, uh, one of the pastors on staff here. In fact, not the pastor who's supposed to preach this morning. Um, I found out yesterday at about 4 p.m. that Van and Wilson are both sick, um, neither with COVID, but in desperate need of rest. So they're hanging out at home today, resting up, and Luke is on vacation. So uh, here I am. Thank you. We'll see if you feel that way at the end of this. Um, but it, it's, uh, regardless, it, it is a, a great honor um, that I would be the one that they would call on. And there's a lot of trust here. So if anything goes wrong, we're just going to blame Derry. Um, but let's just take a second. And I just want to pray for Will and Van um, that they would uh, get the rest they need and that they would uh, just be healed by the Lord. So Father, we come before you and we lift up our leaders to you and we just thank you for their lives and their commitment to uh, this place and, and all that you're doing in and through them. And uh, on behalf of Van and Wilson, we ask for healing in the name of Jesus, that they would be totally restored, sore throats be healed. Um, and, and we also just ask for supernatural rest in them. And we ask as well for a, uh, a restful getaway for Luke and Jamie in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So I am uh, going to preach a message to you today out of the book of Mark which if you've been here recently, we have been going through the book of Matthew. Um, but so we're just gonna take a quick break from that because this is kind of what I had in my back pocket for today. Uh, but my message today is called Desolate People Finding God in Desolate Places. Uh, so if you're a note taker, that's my, my fancy title for you, but you can go ahead and open your Bible to Mark chapter one, if you have it. And we'll get there in a second, so you'll have a minute. Uh, to flip that way, but we'll be towards the end of the chapter. And just to give you some quick background on the book of Mark, it's a, it's a very fast-paced book. This is one of the four books that we call a gospel, which are the accounts of Jesus's life. Uh, and Mark is the shortest one. It was historically the first one produced, um, but it's also like it, it was written seemingly quickly and with the intention of being produced fast. And... Um, so there's a lot of action in the book. There's something constantly happening. It's, you know, this thing happened and then suddenly they were here and now they're doing this. And, and like everywhere you turn, there's a lot of stuff happening. So if you're um, not a big Bible reader, Book of Mark is actually a great place to start because there's just always something going on. Um, so that, that's always what I encourage people to do. Um, but in this book that's so fast paced, it seems that nothing is wasted. Mark was very intentional with his word choice and, and the order of stories. And, and so the section that I want to look at today, um, I think that there is like something like really relevant and important to, the, to his word choice and, and the order that he tells the story in. So we're about to pick up um, at a time where... Um, Jesus has already, his ministry has started. And just to show you how fast paced it is, if you've been following along with our series, Following the King, um, we've been doing it for like six weeks now and we're about to start chapter three. Well, here in chapter one, we're like 
chapter one of Mark, we're already past all of that. Um, he like the birth of Jesus and all that is like summed up in, this is the beginning of Jesus's story is <laughs> basically like the first line of this book. And then it just jumps right into the ministry and action of Jesus's life. Um, so we're right kind of at the beginning of his ministry. Um, he's, he's started to do some, some miracles. He's healed a man with an unclean spirit. Um, he has then immediately where we're at, he's just had the instance where he heals Simon's mother-in-law and then the entire town hears about it and they line up at his door to, for him to pray for them. And so he has just like spent an entire evening laying hands on all the sick of this town. And this is the very next morning. So we're picking up at uh, Mark chapter one, verse 35, and we're gonna read through 45. says this, and rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But when he went out, he began to talk freely about it and he spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So if you notice, the word desolate appears twice in this passage, um, but I uh, and then arguably, uh, he describes it once. And so we, kinda, we see it come up twice, described once, so it seems to be this like significant word um, in, in this 10 verse section of scripture. Um, in the Bible, this, this word is used to describe both people and places. And so of a place, it's um, lonely places, wilderness, desert, uh, secluded, kind of this like isolated, nothing is around, like emptiness, barren wasteland. Of people, it describes um, one who's deserted, lonely, lacking aid from others. It's a person who just feels like they're on their own, abandoned by everyone. Now, if you're here today and you're a person who maybe feels desolate, you feel lonely or empty, deserted by others, uh, I think there's gonna be some encouragement in this message for you. But also if you're a person who's here and you're searching for God and, and maybe you kind of know him or you're starting to learn about him, but you're just not really sure, like how do I engage with him? How do I um, begin this life with him? And, and you're, you're wondering, where is he? How do I 
be in relationship with him, this message is for you. And then also for those of you who love God, you know him, you, like, he's your best friend, you, you seek his face every day. Um, you're, you're always desiring, of more, um, desiring for more of him, uh, this message is for you. And I've been on all three of these. I've felt deserted and abandoned by those closest to me. I've, I've searched wondering, where is God? Why hasn't he shown up? What is he like? How do I know him? And I've also known God and been so in love with him that all I wanna do is just sit and, and pray and read my Bible and, and worship him. Uh, but wherever you find yourself on this spectrum today, I believe the answer is the same for all of us, but we will come to that in a moment. So there's three sections of the story that we just looked at that I want to break down for us. And they go like this. First one, Jesus went out to a desolate place to be with God. Second one, a desolate person came to Jesus. And third, people come to desolate places to be with Jesus. So first, Jesus went out to a desolate place to be with God. I think what seems to be made apparent in this passage is that Jesus was busier than any of us. It was literally the crack of dawn and his disciples are looking for him because everyone is already out of their house looking for him. The entire town wants his attention after they just had it the day before. Everybody wants a piece of this man. And Shockingly, as like a person who is in ministry, I, you know, Sundays are a pretty busy day. I, you know, spend all day here, basically. I'm here in the morning, here until the evening. We do youth group on Sunday nights. On Monday morning, the only thing I wanna do is sleep in. <laughs> I, I don't wanna like parent, I don't want a husband, and I certainly don't want a pastor. And like the, the I'm prone to, to not, getting up, rising before dawn to seek the Lord. But Jesus has just stood at a door in a town for probably hours, laying hands on sick person after sick person after sick person, probably exhausted, still gets up before anybody. And he goes into the wilderness, into a desolate place to seek the Lord. Jesus prioritizes his relationship with the Father over everything else, over his own tiredness, because I think that Jesus actually found fuel in the presence of God over people demanding his attention because he knew it'd be better for them if he were with him. In John five, Jesus says something along the lines of, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus saw what his father was doing by prioritizing his life around the time he spent with God. That was the main focus of Jesus's life was being with the Father, hearing his voice, being in his presence, understanding his will for his life. Being with God brings us into alignment with him. It helps us see uh, the world as he sees the world and it builds our relationship with him. Being connected to God will bring us into encounters with people who need God. It'll open our eyes to the world around us. Enter the leper. A desolate person came to Jesus. The heart of God is revealed towards the man with leprosy. When Jesus says, I will be cleansed. He shows that, that his heart is for people, that his, his desire is for healing. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, leprosy or, or a, a leper, 
um, you should know it's a, it has the potential to be a horrible disease. Um, basically, your body essentially starts to rot while you're still living in it. Um, a commentator says that they would have been called walking death. Essentially what happens is your skin begins to decay on your body to the point where your fingernails and your toenails might fall off. We're gonna get a little PG-13 horror movie right now for a second, so just be ready for that. In the most advanced stages of this disease, some of your appendages might start to fall off. Your face could start to become deformed. In some cases, your nose might fall off. Your, your gums would shrivel up and your teeth would fall out. You'd lose all of your hair. Like, it, like you're in, you're walking death. That is a fair assessment. Now in the parallel story to this, in, in Luke chapter five, um, it says that the man was full of leprosy, which might suggest that he was in the advanced stages of leprosy where some of the more traumatic things and, and might have been happening to his body at that point. This is a man that's in dire need of God. And in this story, there would be no one more desolate. He would be totally isolated from his friends, family, and community. He would have been exiled to the outskirts of towns, desolate places. He would have been overlooked by everyone who passed by, but not even just overlooked, but avoided. I read um, in the same commentary that talked about them being walking death, that there would be rabbis that would brag, I won't even buy an egg on a street that I saw a leper. One said, I throw rocks at lepers when I see them so that they stay further away from me. Like the, the, that they're, they're just like the outcast of society. They would have, this man would have had to shout unclean anytime he went near anybody else who didn't have leprosy, as, as was stated in the law of Moses. He had to alert anyone and everyone to his presence among them. And something important to notice in this story is that healing for this man was way more than just recovery from an illness. And in fact, this is just such a beautiful picture of the fullness of the gospel because this one encounter with Jesus would have changed way more than just this man's health. He would have been able to rejoin community, family, and friends. He would have been able to enter a synagogue again, go to the temple. He would have been able to join the workforce. Like this one moment with Jesus, where Jesus says, I will be cleansed, changes everything for this man. It brings him from the brink of death to the potential to like the fullness of life. That's the beauty of the gospel. And then the, the beauty in this, the method of healing where Jesus lays his hands on this man. In, in the advanced stages of leprosy, this man would have gone years without the, the loving touch of, of friend or family. Could you imagine life without a handshake or a high five or a hug from, from your husband, wife, friend, whatever? That was this man's reality. Nobody touched him. And before Jesus healed him, he touched him. 
Imagine how healing that would be in itself. What I believe this story does is it establishes what Jesus could do for the most desolate person. The most extreme case. And I think that it would have sparked this thought to all who heard, if he can do that for a leper, surely he can do something for me. If he can heal that guy, he can heal me. If he can restore that guy, he can restore me. If he can do that, surely he's a man worth following. And it's interesting how that leads uh, these two major distinctions we see here already. We see Jesus who is like the perfect man. You know, he's probably the most well-rounded human of all time, like emotionally healthy and intelligent, like, you know, makes time for the Lord, heals people, like he's A plus Christian as like, as it goes. And he goes into a desolate place to seek God. And then at what would have been considered the far end of the spectrum, the lowest, the most broken, the most desperate, seeks God. And this leads to the next scene in our story where people come to desolate places to be with Jesus. Here's what is revealed here, I believe, at the end of this chapter, when it says people came to the desolate places where Jesus was from all over. All of humanity is looking for God. We are all desperate for the life that he gives. And apart from connection with him, we're all desolate in need of him. We all need connection with God. And while I know this to be true, I often struggle in my own personal life with connecting with God. You know, I, I, I have a hard time slowing down long enough to pray consistently or, or meaningfully in a, in a way that like, I feel like I've actually engaged with God. I struggle to set apart time in my day to put down my phone and to stop watching Netflix or, or whatever else I'm doing to come before the Lord in this way. You know, over the last couple of years, I've really focused on like, I need to become a better reader of the Bible. And, and you know, I've, I've really worked at it and I've become like a habitual reader of the Bible, but there's just something about engaging with God in prayer that just kind of like enhances all of that. And that, that's kind of the, that's where I'm at on my journey right now is I'm trying to step into this time of intentional prayer with the Father. And all that to say, we're all on a journey. If you spend hours a day in prayer, praise God. If you're being stirred to start praying or get yourself into the presence of the Lord, praise God. It's all about the next step in your journey and where God is leading you. So I'd encourage you, consider where is my next step today? How is the Lord leading me to engage with him? You know, Jesus demonstrates with his life what life with God is like. And he seems to show us that life with God always starts in the presence of God. Jesus is always going out of his way to retreat from the crowds, to avoid everybody that's looking for him so that he can be alone with the Father. While I was preparing this message, I came across a quote from Charles Spurgeon. 
it's a, a little old-timey sounding and maybe a little bit harsh, so don't hear what he's not saying. But um, it's, it goes like this. Look no man in the face till thou hast seen the face of God. Speak thou with none till thou, thou hast had speech with the Most High. There's two more thous in there than I've used in the last 10 years. <laughs> but it, it's just so valuable to begin our day in the presence of God, seeking him out, seeking his face. Now in the story, we see the, we'll call them the normal people. The, you know, we, we started with the God man, you know, A plus Christian goes into the wilderness to seek the Lord. And then we've got the most broken guy goes, um, meets the Lord in the wilderness essentially. Um, but the normal people in the story, when they wanted to be with Jesus, they had to disrupt their lives to go be with him. People had to leave their routine and normal course of life to find him. They couldn't just swing by the town square while he was preaching a message on their way to their next job or appointment. They had to actually leave their ordinary routine and go out to be with him. If this were today, they couldn't simply pull up the live stream. They couldn't pop in their AirPods to listen to the podcast from last week. They couldn't just scroll through TikTok and find, you know, a 60-second sermon clip. Which are all good things, by the way. We love those things. That's great. But they had to disrupt their lives to pursue Jesus. What we learn here is that we must be interruptible and willing to be uncomfortable to fight for connection with God. As I talked through my message last night with my wife, Holly, we were driving up to uh, see my parents um, we, she read the passage to me and we were talking about it and uh, she pointed out how uncomfortable it must have been to leave the town to go into the wilderness to see Jesus away from their typical routine away from like trotted down paths that they've walked every day but to actually go into the wilderness into the desert to meet with this God man it would have to be so uncomfortable. Holly said, I just wouldn't want to walk. <laughs> but are we willing to set down our daily comforts and distractions in order to be with him? Like how many of us have complained, and I, I'm, I'm, this is a question to me, and it, it is me. I have complained about not seeing more of God in my life feeling like he has left me hanging, um, but I haven't made room for him. And like, God, if you could just like fit into this like 30 second time frame that I give you between brushing my teeth and getting in the shower, I would love that. Could you just open the heavens and speak to me about my life? And You know, it's, it's true that God is always with us. He is, he's omnipresent, he's here, and we should be aware of this every day. But it's not just about being aware of that. It's, it's in, like being alone with him, it just increases our awareness of his continual presence. You know, I, I know that my wife loves me. Like, I just, I just know. Like, I mean, we've made it this far. I know that she loves me. But when I wake up in the morning and I see that 
she's already prepared the coffee pot for me and all I have to do is flip a switch and my coffee's gonna start brewing, I just like, I know she loves me. You know what I mean? And it's like, I know that God's with me, but when I get in his presence, I know he's with me. I know God loves me, but when I'm alone with him and I'm, I'm reading his word and, and, and I'm praying and I hear him say back, Jordan, I love you. I know he loves me, you know? Now I'm prone to lying in my bed, playing games on my phone or scrolling Instagram or reading the news until the rest of my family wakes up. But I'll tell you what, my best day didn't start that way. None of my good days have started that way. In fact, um, my best days start when I get up before everybody else and I go to my desolate living room and I open my Bible and I commune with God. Now what I'm not saying, you, I'm, I'm not saying you have to go give God the first 30 minutes of every morning to know him or connect with him. But what I am saying is if you're not connecting with him or you're not happy with your connection with him, maybe that's a good place to start. Like we just have to get out of the mess of life, get out of our routine and go seek him in desolate places where no one else is, where no one else is around, seek him and you will find him. We need to get into alignment with him. If being alone with him doesn't change your circumstances, it will certainly change your perspective. Now, I recognize we live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's really not much wilderness around us. Probably not many places that we would describe as truly desolate, no desert nearby. But your living room can be a desolate place. You know, early in the morning before everybody else wakes up, during nap time, your, the walking path next to your office on your lunch break can be a desolate place. You know, your car ride where the radio's off, your podcast isn't on, that can be a desolate place. Anywhere you can get a minute alone with God will be worth it. In this story, the leper is a picture of humanity. We're all lost and alone and empty without Jesus. But the really cool thing about Jesus is that he came to a desolate earth, passionate about filling desolate people with life. That's exactly what he's done. That's what he's in the business of doing. He's been doing it for thousands of years and we get to partner with that. And it's really, really awesome. Through his death and resurrection, he has made it so that we who proclaim to be his followers may come to God at all times. No hoops involved anymore. We don't have to go to the man of God. We don't have to sacrifice three lambs and two doves before we can do it. We don't have to tithe before we can do it. Like we can just come to the Lord at any moment. One of my favorite passages is Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's all very poetic and beautiful and it all means something specific. But if you don't know what that means, basically he's just cleared everything out of our way to get to the father. He says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. We all need connection with God and we all have access to it in a second. We're all desolate. We're all looking for Jesus, but thank God Jesus gives life to the desolate. So that's how I'll end. Just come to Jesus. If you're desolate, come to him and he'll restore you. If you're seeking, come to him and he'll reveal himself. And if you know him, come to him because you know of his goodness. You know that he loves to pour out his goodness on you. So I just wanna take a moment and let's just pray together. We get, can we have the, let's all, let's just do this. Can we all just stand up together if you're able? And we could just get the prayer team to go ahead and come forward now. That'd be wonderful. Don't worry, everybody's gonna close their eyes so they won't see you. Let's just pray together. Just whatever, whatever posture helps you connect to the Lord, whatever, whatever demonstrates to him that you're engaging with him, go ahead and strike the pose. The Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Do you come and move amongst us? I just see him pouring water, like pitchers of water on like dry hearts. For people who feel disconnected from the Lord. You're looking for him, but you don't know how to find him. I just, he's just watering that dry ground. For people that have been seeking, I feel like he's saying answers are coming. Come and restore our hearts, Lord. Do you give us the grace for time with you? <laughs> give us the courage, the strength, the, the power to, to put aside busyness, to set our phones down, to seek your face every day. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. We love your presence. Thank you, God, that you've come near us. We say yes to whatever you want to do in us. Amen. Now, Amanda's going to come up, but I just encourage you, if you, like, if there was anything stirring in your heart as I was just praying or anything in this message, please come up, get prayer. These, this team is like well-armed and ready to go. Um, so come up, receive prayer at the end.